1879, there was an archaeologist in the area um, that the Bible would call Babylon. And uh, he was digging in the foundation of, a, of a, uh, an old temple and discovered what is now called the Cyrus Cylinder. The Cyrus Cylinder. This was called a foundation deposit. And so apparently what I think of uh, is a time capsule that when it would be discovered later that people could read the account, this historical account, and be able to reflect, reflect upon some things that had happened in that, in that time. King Cyrus was king of Persia in the, at the time. And this Cyrus Cylinder is about some of his conquests and uh, some of the things that he wanted people to remember. It contains an account of Cyrus' conquest of Babylon and of, this, of, the, of his policy that he had to allow captives to go back home. You see, we've been talking some as we've studied through the Minor Prophets about how Judah would be carried into Babylonian captivity. So that was the, the way the Babylonians did it. They would carry captives away. But the Persians were um, not so mean, if you will. They were more humane conquerors. And even Cyrus is allowing these captives to go back home and even to rebuild their, their temples. The cylinder says that he freed all captives to go home, rebuild their temples. And I found it interesting. He also included this for these captives to say a prayer for him each day. Now, in these captives from different countries, he's uh, polytheistic in his thinking. So he's asking uh, whatever God you, you worship, pray, say a prayer to him for me. I said all that to say this, that this is consistent with what the Bible teaches us about Cyrus. Here is a quotation from Ezra chapter 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so he made a, a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the freewill offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. The date of this decree of Cyrus is 536 B.C. By the way, the Cyrus Cylinder is dated to that time or a little, a few years after, after that time. And so it happened. There was a return in 536 B.C. Zerubbabel led a group of about 50,000 people, captives from Judah, back to Jerusalem with this primary objective to rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed in 586 B.C. 
and the, the rebuilding of the temple indeed began. They laid the foundations of the temple and everyone was so excited that, that not only were they at home, but they re, they're rebuilding the temple, which in the Jewish mindset, this is where God dwells in a special place. This is where sacrifices are made. And so we've come home and now we're able to worship our God freely. And so they begin rebuilding that temple by putting down the foundations. There's an offer of help from the people of Palestine that were not carried off into captivity. That offer was refused. And the people whose offer was rejected complained to the Persian king. And that caused trouble and the work was halted on rebuilding the temple. In fact, the work ground to a halt and remained so for 16 years. 16 years. That's when Haggai, the prophet, that's the prophet we're studying this evening. Haggai, the prophet, enters the scene in that setting. They had begun rebuilding the temple, laid the foundations, but the work had ceased if it, was in, if it was in our land, kudzu would have been grown over it, right? And weeds would have grown very, very high. Um, but for 16 years, that rebuilding had just not taken place. So Haggai comes on the scene. His book is only two chapters, totaling 38 verses. It contains four oracles by Haggai, a messenger of God, during that year, year 520 B.C., the main message of Haggai is the temple must be completed. The temple must be completed. It had been neglected for 16 years, and now his call is to rebuild that temple. There's only two chapters, but I'm only going to cover one with you this evening. And that's the first oracle. And that is about August 29th, 520 B.C. He's urging, he's urging the people. He's saying the time has come to rebuild the temple. So notice with me Haggai chapter 1. In the first few verses we see God's rebuke. God's rebuke. Haggai starts by going to the leaders. He says in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So the people are saying, the people who returned with Zerubbabel for the purpose of rebuilding the temple and how the temple had been neglected for 16 years, they're still saying the time is not right. The time is not right. Perhaps that reflects discouragement uh, that they've experienced. But at this point, it's more likely just procrastination. They focus their energies elsewhere and they have neglected what God had wanted them to do. So the people are saying this. Well, what's God's message? Verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses 
and this temple to lie in ruins? And even by that question, you can see the, uh, the message of rebuke, can't you? You're living in paneled houses. And, and if we gain from that, that they've spent their time focusing on their own homes and making them real nice and neglecting the temple, that's exactly the idea that Haggai is the message that Haggai is giving them from God. Are you saying that it's not time to build the temple so you can focus on your own paneled houses? Their focus had turned inward. They were not focused on the things of God. They had neglected the mission that God had for them. And as a result, notice what had happened in their lives. Verse 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. And that's repeated in just, a, in just a couple of verses. Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink but are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. And that imagery, of course, if you think of of money in terms of coinage to put it in a bag with holes it's going to fall out what was happening here they were working hard building their houses planting their fields taking care of their, their their livestock but yet they were struggling to do so and it seems like even the money that they were earning it, they were put into a bag filled with holes and, and they weren't fulfilled and, and they were struggling during this time There's a reason for that. Notice God's instructions, verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. The time has come. You've been neglecting the temple of God. Go get wood and start rebuilding it again. They had been struggling. What was the reason? Look at verse 9 with me. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land, and, and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Why had they been struggling? It was punishment from God. Their focus was on themselves and not on the things of God. They were building their own houses but neglecting the house of God, the temple of God. And because of that, they had been experiencing a drought. No wonder they could eat but not be filled and, and work hard to make money only to put it in a bag filled with holes. This was punishment from God because of their, their focus was wrong. So here's Haggai. 16 years they've neglected this work. He's saying it's time to build. It's time to build again. It's time to get focused on what God wants you to do. How do the people respond? Haggai was a great preacher. Because watch what happens. Verse Verse 12, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, 
the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the presence of the Lord. So the leaders and the people decided we've got to do this. We've been disobedient. We've got to obey the voice of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. What they had experienced in the drought was when they refused to obey the will of God. But now that they're focused on doing the will of God, Haggai reminds them, the Lord is with you. They could take courage, they could take uh, confidence in that, that now that they were doing the will of God, that God would bless them with success. It reminded me of Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Haggai says, the Lord is with you. You can do this if you'll just be obedient to, to the word of God. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, verse 14, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So Haggai preaching this message began on the first day. So here, just 23 days later, they get to work in rebuilding the temple. Ezra tells us this, Ezra 6.15. Now the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which was in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. The sixth year. Haggai's work was his preaching and and telling them the temple must be rebuilt was in the second year of King Darius. The temple is completed in the sixth year. So in just a little over four years, the people with God's blessing are able to rebuild the temple. As I was studying this, there was a song that came to my mind that I used to sing as a child uh, in Bible class or perhaps vacation Bible school. And building up the temple. You remember that song? Building up the temple. Building up the temple. Building up the temple of the Lord. Oh, I can, I can see my dad doing the motions. Oh, brother, can you help us? Oh, sister, can you help us? Building up the temple of the Lord. It's so high, you can't get over it. So low, you can't get under it. So wide, you can't get around it. You must come through the door. You remember that song? That must be a real old song. We're going to have to resurrect that song. But I, I thought about that song. And here is how this was convicting to me, this study. This was convicting to me. That we need to be building up the temple of the Lord. God wants us to build his temple. And let me hasten to say, I'm not talking about going to Jerusalem and building a temple. Some think that's got to happen before the Lord returns. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how Paul refers 
to the temple of God. Notice with me Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy what? A holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. In Paul's language, there's an Old Testament context. Just like the Jews, how they viewed the temple of God, this was God's special sanctuary. It was where the worship of the Jews took place. This is where you offered the sacrifices. This would be... In fact, something that the Jews would put too much emphasis on in their history, on the temple. But that was the the main part. That was the visual uh, of their religion. But now Paul uses that backdrop in describing the church. And when I say church, I'm not speaking of the church building. Paul's not speaking of the church building. He's speaking of the church, which is is the people, the people of God. Christians are the temple of God. And what, what can we learn from Haggai and the people of Judah about building up the temple of the Lord, which is the church? Here are some lessons from Haggai. Number one, we need to repent of our indifference. Number two, we need to prioritize the Lord's work. Those were what was convicting to me. Because how many times in our lives do we get so wrapped in what we got going on in our own lives that we neglect the temple of the Lord? We neglect the church. We neglect the work that God has called us to do. There were 16 years of neglect that had happened. And Haggai came on the scene and says, it's time to get to work. You've been neglecting what God has commanded you to do. You need to make it a priority. You've been working on your own stuff. Now you've got to focus on the things of God. How many times do we get so wrapped up in our own things that we neglect the things of God? And building up the temple, building up the church... Let me underscore again, when we think of building up the temple, we need to think people and not bricks and mortar. Building up the temple has everything to do with people, with Christians and those that need to be Christians. And another lesson we can learn from Haggai, and what a wonderful response of the people, that from the leaders to all the remnant of the people, All of them engaged. They went to work and they rebuilt that literal temple in just over four years. Quite a feat showing the blessing of God. But they were all engaged. And what a lesson for you and for me. But think with me for a few moments about building up the temple and what that looks like. And especially as we think about people and not A church building or bricks and mortar. We need to be thinking about and reaching out to those who don't know Christ. 
Building up, up the temple of the Lord means that we are con continually reaching out and focusing on people who don't know about, who aren't members of the temple of God, who aren't Christians, and how we can reach out to them and, and teach them and help them to become part of the temple of God, the spiritual temple of the church. So what does that mean we do? Number one, we pray for them. We pray for them. Pray for people that you know aren't Christians tonight, that you know and have built a relationship with or, or would like to. And begin praying for them by name. Pray for them, pray for their hearts, that they'll be receptive to, to the, the seed of God's word. Pray for yourself, pray for ourselves as we reach out to them, that God will give us wisdom to know how to do that most effectively. So pray for them. Number two, participate in their lives. Be a friend to them. The, the facts are this. Most people are brought to Christ by their friends and or family members. If I were to ask for a show of hands, I believe over 80%, at least 80% of people who are here were brought to Christ by their friends or family members. It, it, that's just the way it most, most often happens. And so we need to be building relationships with those who don't know Christ. And we're not trying to trick them. We're trying to love them and lead them to Jesus. So as you pray for these people, watch for opportunities to participate in their lives, invite them into your life, be a friend to them. Number three, plant the seed. Plant the seed. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6. How do we plant the seed? We may make reference to of a scripture that has been a blessing to us. We may make reference to something that uh, is happening in our church family, some event that we are really working hard. We may make reference to being willing to pray for them and, and, and whatever, in some struggle that they're having. But plant the seed. Plant the seed of God's word. And as we build those relationships and we keep planting the seed and inviting them to, to come and be with us, ultimately and prayerfully, that's going to lead to an opportunity to present the gospel to them. By the way, when Jesus gave the Great Commission... Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. Remember the next part? And lo, I'm with you always. What was Haggai's message when the people responded and they committed to doing the work that God had called them to do? What was Haggai's message? The Lord says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to bless you. And so we watch and pray for those opportunities that will arise as we reach out to those who don't know Christ and ultimately present uh, the gospel to them. I, I got to share something with you. I shared it with the class this morning. It was a unique, 
unique event that happened to me yes, yesterday. I was on my way to the church building for the men's breakfast. And my neighbor stopped me and said, what are you doing today? And I told him I was on my way to breakfast and would love for him to come. He said, I've already eaten. I said, okay. I told him about a couple of other things. And I said, why, why do you ask? And he says, uh, you want to go see a movie? I said, well, I might. What time is it? Three, three o'clock this afternoon. Of course, I'm thinking there's a football game I'd like to watch at 2.30. But then he began to tell me more about the movie. He said, the movie is called The Blind. The Blind. And I remember seeing a, uh, a promotional ad about this movie, The Blind. It's about Phil Robertson of the Duck Dynasty. And uh, they have connections with the church. And the blind is about Phil Robertson's story, his conversion. And my neighbor told me that he and a friend of his that also lives in our neighborhood were going to go and they were inviting me to go along with them. I felt like this was a golden opportunity. So I went with them. And I don't know if, if they saw, I'm going to sat between these two guys and I don't know if they saw, but... When I was watching this story and watch, watching how this man's life was changed by Christ in a profound way, my tears were coming to my eyes. As I told somebody this morning, I didn't have to preach the gospel. These guys were seeing the gospel in the life of this man. I couldn't help but think this was a God-given opportunity for me to connect with these two guys, for them to see the gospel applied. Even Now, I've got to add this qualifier, and I told the class this morning, you got to know that Phil Robertson was not always a Christian. And so if you choose to watch this movie, there's some, some language and there's a lot of other things that we would not promote. But this was a, a man who was not living for God. So you need to understand that. But what we were able to see was a man's life changed. I'm, I would love to tell you more, but... I'm not going to. But just this. Again, I'll say, I felt like that was a God-given opportunity for these two men to come to know more about what I would love for them to experience in their own lives. And I believe, folks, that if we will be diligent about praying for others and about befriending them, participating in their lives and inviting them and planting the seed and ultimately we're going to have those opportunities to present the gospel. And folks, when we do and when we see them respond, that's building up the temple. And that's what God has designed for us to be doing all along. But it's not just for those outside of Christ that we want to bring into the temple of God, the church, 
It also involves the work with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Watch these passages. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Paul writes to these Christians, Therefore, encourage one another. Notice this. Build one another up. Sounds like building up the temple, doesn't it? Build one another up just as you are doing. That's verse 11 of 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 14, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Admonish the idle. Isn't that exactly what Haggai was doing? They had been idle in their work of rebuilding the temple, the literal temple in Jerusalem. And so he was admonishing them, extending the Lord's rebuke to them to get back to work. But encourage the faint-hearted. There are those who, who are struggling under, under some, some burden or, or maybe they don't feel like they can live the Christian life. They need, they need to find that and we need to give that encouragement to them. Help the weak. There are some who really struggle with things in their own lives that the devil would use to, to take them away from Christ. And we need to encourage them to not allow that but to find their strength in the Lord, to follow him faithfully. But be patient with everyone in this process. And while we're talking about building up the temple, I want to remind you of a few um, groups of people within the temple that need our special encouragement. Number one is the sick. Remember the sick. And many of you do this so well. And so I'm just encouraging it. And I'm encouraging us even to do a better job. And I'll tell you, the people that are coming to my mind, especially, are those that deal with chronic illness. Chronic illness. The sad reality is that out of sight, out of mind. The sad reality that there are those with chronic illness, they would love to be here, but they can't. They're confined to home. And some of them are going through treatments continually, and they need our encouragement. And part of building up the temple is continuing to show the love and compassion of Christ to those among us that have those, those problems. Along with that, the shut-in, the shut-in. Psalm 71, verse 9, has been called the prayer of the elderly. And it says this, Do not cast me off in time of old age. Do not forsake me when my, when my strength fails. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. Some of us have gotten to know and love some people at Mobile Nursing and Rehab. And I'll be, you won't be surprised at this. Some that we befriended, I've never seen anyone else walk into their room. They're all alone. They're all alone. Some among us are shut in. Let's make sure they're not shut out. Let's continue to let them know that they are incredibly special to God and to us. They may have to be shut in, 
but let's do our best to make sure they are never shut out. And also remember those among us who are experiencing difficult circumstances. The grieving, the lonely, those who are going through a difficult time. And, you know, on television, a huge problem can be resolved in about two hours. That doesn't happen in life, does it? Some of these issues go on for months, even years. May it never be said that I've been going through this hard time and my church family doesn't have a clue. Building up the temple means that we pay attention to one another and especially to those in these unique circumstances and we remind them you're not alone. You're part of the temple of God and you are loved there's one lady at uh, Mobile Nursing and Rehab her name is Miss Louise I can't remember her last name right now she's one of those I have not seen anyone else coming to her room Cherie Bean has uh, taken an interest in her and I think it was last Sunday, Cherie Bean was saying bye to Miss Louise, and Cherie said, I love you. And Miss Louise, who's very quiet, doesn't speak much at all, said to her, I love you too. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. Wow. And all Cherie had been doing was paying attention to her every time we go on Sunday afternoon. There are so many around us that need to be a part of the temple of God. And those in the temple of God need to know they're part of what God designed. And we need to be busy building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. Oh, brother, will you help us? Sister, will you help us? Building up the temple of the Lord. If you're subject to the invitation of Jesus... Please come right now as we stand and sing.